people have a need to believe that they live in a world where people generally get what they deserve. When that need is threatened, they may protect it using a variety of narratives. Ultimately, though, the illusion collapses. The apathy of the universe towards moral truth is revealed, and one way or another, we all come to embrace the void. Pathetic earthlings, hurling your bodies out into the void without the slightest inkling of who or what is out here. Life just some kind of horrific joke without a punchline? That we're all just biding our time until the sweet, sweet release of death? No! Don't save Riley! <laughs> Take her to the moon for me. Okay? Welcome, friends, to another episode of Embrace the Void, where we are finding all the worst kinds of magical thinking. I am your host, Aaron Rabinowitz, and with me once again is my returning guest, MRX Dentith, a philosophy professor at BNUZH Centers for International Philosophy, with a focus on conspiracy theories, secrecy, and fake news, all the favorites. Uh, they are the co-host of Podcaster's Guide to Conspiracy, and they recently published a particularly spicy article called I Know It When I See It, Motivating Examples in the Social Psychology of Conspiracy Theory Theory. Love that double use of theory there. They frequently provide what I consider very nuanced criticism of the research around conspiracy theories and conspiracy theory beliefs that I find particularly compelling. So I'm very excited to have them back on M, would you like to say hi to the void once again? I would, but is it me or has this void got slightly smaller since I was last here? It seems like a less all-encompassing void. It seems like a, a more intimate, smaller void. What have you done we're with your void? We're doing like an unplugged void here. It's like a acoustic set void, something like that. Fair enough. I'll, I'll go fetch my ukulele. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. We could do some um, Jeff Buckley together. Do a little baby. Mm, I don't think I don't think you can make my voice gravely enough to do Jeff Buckley justice. Mm, fair enough. I also will fail at that. Um, no, uh, we're gonna do a different kind of self indulgence uh, this week because I wanted to have you back on. I'm currently very deep, deep down in the rabbit hole for my dissertation on the literature around just world belief, and it is definitely one of those things that like. I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere, but also partly because it often gets thrown around a lot of places. And one of those is the land of conspiracy theories. So I thought who better to come back and tell me about how terrible all of this social science is. So yeah, thanks for indulging me once again. Well, I mean, we live in a just world and I'm the perfect person to talk about it. We live in a deep, uh, deeply unjust world, and that's why a terrible person like mm. myself. Gets now, I to think you'll find that life. many psychologists will say your belief in a deeply unjust world is a socially disadvantageous belief that we really should do something to ameliorate or even cure. Aaron, why do you believe the world is unjust? Because everything is luck all the way down, which is why they're going to be really mad when they find out that my entire project is to rob everyone of their preventative measures around keeping their just world beliefs. Mm, this seems like an unlucky belief for you to have. It, it, it may be. And it, uh, that said, I'm also going to spread it like an anti-meme. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the SCP all over again. So let's talk about definitions and why we are sad when we read social science. Last time you were here, way back millions of years ago in July of last year, does that feel horrible to just realize that this is the last time you were on? Like, it was only July of last year. Uh, yes, yeah, so much has happened. And so much continues things. to be happening. We need a moratorium on events. Causality must pause for a short amount of time to allow us to catch up. I think Twitter still worked at that point. Uh, yeah, so that was ETV247. And I had you on because you had a really good arguments about sort of generalism versus particularism about conspiracy theories uh folks should go back and listen but do you want to kind of start us off by like briefly restating your view about the definition of conspiracy theories and why it might be controversial 
So my definition of a conspiracy theory is any explanation of an event that cites a conspiracy. So it's a very broad value neutral definition that simply mm -hmm. says, look, you are conspiracy theorizing when you suspect a conspiracy. When you're conspiracy theorizing, sometimes that's rational, sometimes it's irrational. But we need to start from a value-neutral, non-pejorative definition because we know conspiracies occur. We know that sometimes ha people have warranted conspiracy theories, and we don't want to generalize about the phenomena called the conspiracy theory and just assume they're all mad bad or dangerous. And so this has become to be known as the thesis of particularism in philosophy and has kind of become the default view amongst philosophers who study conspiracy theory, uh, those philosophers who engage in conspiracy theory theory. Mm -hmm. And do you want to real quick explain what our criteria are for a conspiracy? So a conspiracy is two or more people acting in secret towards some goal. Uh, now, I should point out my friend and colleague Ma Martin Orr actually disputes the two or more people. We co-wrote a paper called Secrecy and Conspiracy. We tried to work yep. out you know, whether actually you can conspire on your own. Marty says, yes, I go, mm, it's complicated. And it's probably easier to go two or more to make it a group plot as opposed to just general secretive activity. It needs to be kept secret from someone to the whole point of a conspiracy is you want to keep what you're doing secret from usually the target, but that doesn't require keeping it secret from everyone. You need, sometimes secrecy only needs to be localized to a time or a person. And of course, to conspire means you want to bring about an event. It doesn't mean you're going to achieve the event. You can sure. conspire unsuccessfully, but you are still conspiring. You're just not getting what you want. Yeah, I enjoyed going back and forth with you on the two or more Persians thing. Of course, my mind immediately went to like, but what if it's a strong enough, super intelligent AI that's controlling the entire planet? Isn't that feel like a conspiracy? Um, well, yeah. And I mean, the example that always gets me and I love Roman history and now I'm, I'm going to fall into that category of person who's always thinking about the Roman Empire. But the assassination of Julius... <laughs> on, 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 on a bad day, but only on a bad day. So when you think about the assassination of Julius Caesar, there's actually multiple conspiracies going on there. So you've got mm -hmm. the conspirators who are killing Caesar to bring back the Republic. Then you've got the conspiracy within the conspiracy of Marcus Brutus and his colleagues engaging in the, well, actually, we want to replace Caesar with Brutus as dictator of Rome. And arguably, there's also Brutus's own personal ambition. And so you can kind of say... Brutus was conspiring within the conspiracy on his own as part of a larger conspiracy to get the kind of ends he wanted. So I am sympathetic to the idea that when we talk about a conspiracy as involving a group, there's also going to be hierarchies within that group. So possibly, possibly people within conspiracies can conspire on their own. But as I say, it's, com it's complicated. Plans are then plans. Right. Uh, yes. Okay. And and a point that like is not going to be essential for today's activities. Um, but I I always enjoy listening to you parse I, um, extreme edge cases. So that's conspiracy theories. Now let's talk about our other key concept, and then we can talk about how they play together. I'm curious what your understanding of just world belief is based on just sort of general picking up plus like what you have gathered from like the conspiracism literature so just world beliefs and unjust world beliefs are beliefs which are either socially advantageous or socially disadvantageous so a just world belief and rather than take my kind of view of what a just world belief let's actually go to a definition offered by someone who talks about them so this is adrian Furnham in just world beliefs personal success and beliefs in conspiracy theories published in current psychology in the year of our lord 2023 that this year at time of recording and he says a just world belief is the idea that people have a fundamental need to believe that the social world is a just place and that this belief is functionally necessary for them to develop principles of deservingness which is one of those definitions you go hmm 
quite a lot of interesting words there, functionally necessary, principles of deser deser deservingness. And yep. this definition basically comes out of the work of Lerner from 1978 and 1980s. And this stuff gets mentioned in the literature as belief in a just world kind of springs, and this is a quote from the, and you'll love this one, the conspiratorial imperative medieval jury in Western Europe published all the way back in 1987, so well before our current crisis. And they define a just world belief as belief in a just world springs from a defensive need to ward off potential threats to oneself by seeing the world as a controllable and predictable place where good mm -hmm. things happen to good people and bad things to bad people. Yeah. And that, yeah. So I think that you've highlighted an important change or evolution in the understanding of this. Or that, like, I would say a debate within the field, right? So everybody agrees what we're talking about here is a need to believe in a just world of some sort um and it's really important that it's the need part not the belief part it's not that if people will say out loud i believe it's a just world it's that they want to believe it and will do things to make it so that they can believe it um but like the original literature learner in them put it forward as an explanation that is like a cognitive bias that explains certain har like harmful behaviors. So primarily things like victim blaming, where you preserve your belief in just world by closing the gap between the perception of the individual su who is suffering and like what they're actually suffering. Um, but then more recent literature suggests actually Evo Psych style, this is an adaptive, positive thing. And it would be good for us to preserve belief in a just world because it is a positive illusion in this kind of way. Um, what is your sense of how it is discussed in the conspiracy literature? So Furnham clearly is in the like positive illusion camp. Um, is that generally the view held or like the, like the perspective used throughout? I mean, the thing which is weird about just world beliefs in the conspiracy theory literature in the social sciences is that it gets referenced a lot. So it's in the bibliographies of a lot of papers. It occasionally appears in categories in surveys. It's actually not discussed particularly often. Uh, mm. Actually, what is interesting is when just worlds do come up in the literature, you, they're usually canards about how if we better society, we can build a more just world. So at the very beginning of the conspiracy, uh, Corruption's Perception in Index, as published by Transparency International, they end with, with your help, we can build a just world. There's a lot of discussion mm. of needing to build a just world. There's not actually much explicit discussion of just world theory in the literature. It's kind of just always being referenced. Why do you think that is? Do you have a sense? I think it's in part because part of the problems of talking about conspiracy theories in contemporary literature is that just world beliefs are taken to be socially advantageous beliefs but they are a cognitive bias of some particular kind. Right. And so the worry, I think, turns out to be that if it turns out the reason why people don't believe in conspiracy theories is because they have a just world belief, then actually the literature which was trying to point out that belief in conspiracy theories is in some sense problematic, then has to counter the fact that disbelief in conspiracy theories might also rest upon a problematic psychological process. Mm -hmm. So I think there's an interesting dichotomy here where people want to talk about just world beliefs when they're doing their measures, but actually talking about just world beliefs and the, the, the other one, the unjust world belief, actually adds a wrinkle to a discussion as to why we ought to be dismissive and skeptical of conspiracy theories more generally. Yeah, and I want to talk about, I think that's a good segue into like, what is the relationship? Um, I do think one thing that uh, comes up in some of the surveys of just world literature is essentially what you're describing that there aren't a lot of papers that center on just world belief and 
like understanding that core concept it's often thrown in in your list of like we checked to see if it was caused by x y and z by using the basic test or even less than that like just in the sort of lit review or something um and often those accounts are like inaccurate in various ways they talk about explicit versus implicit belief and they talk about like um, they don't sort of differentiate between kinds of just world belief in the way that sort of the core literature does more. Um, so yeah, it is interesting to see that that is a reoccurring theme here. Um, so based on what you do, were, were able to sort of find in there and also your sort of broader intuitions about this subject, what is your sense of the relationship between just world belief and conspiracy theory belief? So it seems that the relationship between a just world belief and conspiracy theory belief or conspiracy belief in the wider literature focuses on the inverse of the just world belief, the unjust world belief. Mm -hmm. So when the just world beliefs were first kind of being posited in the 80s, it was kind of taken that they're in some sense a cognitive bias that might well be problematic, but it explains why people hold particular views about the societies in which they live. It seems the more modern version of the just world belief is that actually it's a socially advantageous thing and it's probably quite good for functioning within the complex societies we have. But the unjust world beliefs, the cases where people believe that the world isn't just, that's a problem. And it's the unjust world beliefs that are taken to be linked to overt conspiracy theorizing. So there's quite, well, I say quite a bit, there is discussion of the fact that, say, in America, Republicans seem to think they live in an unjust world, and because they live in an unjust world, they seem to be endorsing conspiracy theories more so than their Democratic rivals. I know there'll be people like Joe Yusinski who will dispute that by saying, look, the definition of what counts as a conspiracy theory is too narrow here for the left-right divide, but there is some literature which indicates unjust world beliefs on the right are kind of overrepresented in the same way that conspiracy theory beliefs on the right. And it's because they see a world where they think there is injustice going on at a systemic level. They are blaming certain groups for making the world unjust, so they're blaming the woke, they're blaming the trans, they're blaming the woman, they're blaming anyone who is basically part of the oppressed, marginalized groups we traditionally recognize within our society. And they're saying, those are the people. They are the reason why I, as a successful, white, rich businessman who owns a social media empire, can't simply engage mm -hmm. in anti-Semitism to my heart's content on my own platform without organizations pulling their funding from my platform. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm so oppressed, says right. elongated and muskrat. <laughs> Before we, you know, tear apart, like, social science ability to prove any of these things to any great effect, you know, to try to stack, you know, like, build the case for why we might think, for example, that there is a connection between, I, I would say not... So unjust world belief is, I think, slightly inaccurate. Like, again, we got to remember it's the need versus threat idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're experiencing very high threat and you have a very high need, then you react in a certain kind of way. And the correlations for the need to believe in just world in the like core literature are conservatism primarily, first and foremost, because if you believe the world is just, you want to keep it around the way it is um and then things like traditional gender roles um uh belief in things like free will things that like start to protect it like meritocratic beliefs a lot of things that like are more like ensconced in the conservative american worldview at this point so it would make sense that they would feel a high need first of all for a just world and feel very high threats to it right now and so would be looking for now here's the interesting question is it that they're believing in conspiracy theory like here here's what i would actually point out if you believe that just world belief is a positive illusion that should be protected then it's good that conservatives believe in conspiracy theories because conspiracy theories protect the belief in the just world that's why they're believing in them as a coping mechanism it seems to me 
Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice little bit of reversal there. And actually that fits in... And it comes with, back to the point you were saying yeah, earlier, yeah. right? Go ahead. I mean, I mean, it fits in with some of the literature around the fake news debate. So mm-hmm. in some of the literature about fake news, one of the things which is pointed out that one of the best ways to get people to believe fake news is to get the other side to shout, no, that's just fake news. Because then you go, oh, they're making so much sound and fury about this issue. There must be something true about it after all. And so that would kind of fit into that particular kind of rhetorical move that actually, if we live in a just world, the fact that there are people who have conspiracy theories about living in an unjust world is just proof positive. The world is, in fact, effectively just. Right. And think about someone like Alex Jones, right? Where I try not to, but I'll engage in the thought experiment nonetheless. And then yet you come on my show, so here we are. <laughs> you know you know what we're gonna do. Yeah. So I listen like to it. Knowledge Fight every week, so I'm I'm kind of forced to think about Alex Jones more often than I'd like to think. Right. You're always giving piggyback rides to Scorpions. Um so Alex Jones, you know, when he talks about the conspiracies, he's explaining why the appearance of injustice in the world is fake and it's going to be fixed by God's divine plan, which is the, another one of the most common like protections of this. So like, let's just back up for a second. This is like one kind of example. I think it's worth noting you can tell a kind of just so evolutionary psych story for why either belief or disbelief in just worlds would go with either, I think, belief in conspiracy theories or not belief in conspiracy theories. It seems to me, because this is, I think, just a problem of just world belief that, like, we preserve it in a bunch of weird, contradictory ways. I mean, David Icke does the same thing. So David Icke goes, look, the world looks particularly bad, but that is just an illusion foisted upon us by the people in control. Once you break through the illusion, you realize that the climate is perfectly fine and that equality and happiness is everywhere. You're just being told things are bad. But actually, if you have hope and you ignore the problems, they will all just go away, just like Alex Jones's bankruptcy. Just hope, and it will go away. Right. So, like, my question is, does decreasing or increasing conspiracy theory belief preserve just world belief for actual people? And what does that do for people like Furnham's arguments where they're saying this? That, like, you know... We want, to, we want to keep this because it keeps conspiracy theories low, but conspiracy theories actually would, in theory, go up the more you believe in a just world to protect that belief. And if you think it's a positive illusion, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem here is, of course, actually trying to capture what classifies as an unjust world. Because, of course, mm-hmm. we're relying here on surveys. They're usually Likert surveys, so between five to seven points, where people are choosing between strongly disagree and strongly agree. So you're trying to elicit a notion of whether someone has a just world or an unjust world based upon a survey. Part of the problem, which is actually even highlighted in Furnham's recent point, is that people who are marginalized and oppressed seem to have unjust world beliefs. And if we're saying, yeah, if we're saying that unjust world beliefs are socially disadvantageous, but it turns out that living in a world where as a marginalized and oppressed person, you end up having unjust world beliefs, then you're kind of engaging in the victim blaming that went on in the 1980s around just world beliefs by going, well, look, these people have these beliefs that they live in an unjust world and Unjust world beliefs are kind of classified as being a cognitive bias, so it's not actually an appropriate response to the evidence here. And so the Furnham piece actually tries to square the circle here by going, look, it seems it seems that people who are living oppressed and marginalized existences have unjust world beliefs, but it's probably it's probably something higher level and systematic there. So it's not actually they're responding to the evidence, they're responding to something else going on in society. So really, they're the victims of society, which is kind of going, yeah, you've, you live in an unjust world, and also we're going to treat you unjustly for living in that unjust world at the same time. So, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. But so, so, yeah. So I think the problem with talking about this 
is that who falls into the just world and the unjust world beliefs is it's very fuzzy. It isn't it's a it's a concept which isn't strictly delineated and right. thus it ends up being a problem for operationalizing it to then go, what do we do about it? I love this and that's why I'm so happy you're here is because you've walked me right up to like this is what I've been staring at in the art like the ones that are really pro just world belief will argue that like it is a personal resource for coping with injustice and that individuals who can convince themselves the world is just while facing injustice do better and have better outcomes and luckily just world beliefs protect themselves pretty well overall and with a little bit of support we can preserve them in individuals but what they are basically saying is we need to tell marginalized people that they are not marginalized for their own benefit um you know, I think you and I probably would agree there's a kind of spectrum from teaching people about systemic injustice where like people, you know, like a system is causing harm to a bunch of individuals in a pretty largely uncontrolled kind of way through spectrums of degrees of control all the way to like a thoroughgoing conspiracy theory. And there are arguments that like we shouldn't teach people about like systemic injustice because it will demoralize them. And I do think that if you believe in this just world stuff, you end up in a Chris Rufo kind of place where it's like, no, no, we should not teach them about history. That would be bad for them. And like they, they can't bootstrap themselves up properly. Um, but it's weird to hear it coming from liberals. Yeah, although I mean, this is actually making me think of discussions I've had with friends around voting in the past, where mm -hmm. people will vote for a centre-left party. And well, look, I mean, I know there's a there's a wage gap difference between men and women in the in the workplace, and we'll get around to fixing it eventually. They just have to realise it's not as high a priority as dealing with X, Y, or Z. So it is kind of built in to the liberal mentality that we recognize there are injustices but the people who are suffering those injustices they need to wait they just need to wait their turn and we'll fix it eventually but there are other more pressing issues that affect me the white liberal more so mm -hmm. than you the person of color liberal so once my issues are fixed yours are next on the list it just turns out my issues are almost infinite i mean i don't have a luxury yacht yet uh right it also seems true, right, if you buy into the idea that we should, like, educate people for their own protection, that, like, the illusion they have is true, that that is a conspiracy, right? We are now engaging in a conspiracy to lie to students about reality for their benefit. Well, yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting about the Just World stuff is how it doesn't feature into the philosophical literature around generalism. So generalism is the position that we have a prima facie or general reason for thinking that conspiracy theories are suspicious or mad, bad or dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think there's actually probably quite a lot of Just World beliefs going on amongst generalists. Because they do seem to think that we live in a just world where conspiracies are relatively rare, if not non-existent. And it's good to continue believing that in the face of evidence, because it is advantageous for your position in society and advantageous for society in general. And the problem for particularists like myself who have unjust world beliefs is we're going, but the history of conspiracy is you know, it's kind of big. It's kind of all over the place. It's kind of persistent and systemic. And the worry is, if you have just world beliefs, you are very dismissive of people putting forward conspiracy theories, some of which are actually going to be evidence that we live in this unjust world that particulars are saying, look, it's a live possibility. We need to at least consider it. Mm. So yeah, let me ask you about this, because I have a suspicion that what's going on there. And this, I think this, I think, highlights the way that, like, just world belief can go on both sides of the, you know, ledger, essentially, a lot of the times. I think what's going on there is the generalists get more of a sense of predictability and a illusion of control, which, again, is the reason we want to believe the world is just. To go back to that quote, that really good quote you raised, like, 
we don't just care about the world being just because of our innate sense of fairness, although I think that's part of it. It's also our desire for the world to be predictable so that when we do certain behaviors, we know we're going to get the right outcomes. Um, so this raises, I think, an interesting question. In the conspiracy theory literature, do you feel like belief in conspiracies undermines or promotes the illusion of control? Oh, it's actually a very good question. So to... I mean, on one level, yes, belief in conspiracy theories actually promotes an idea that there is controlling forces out there that are able to get the things they want done. On another level, belief in conspiracy theories kind of robs you of your own personal sense of control. So, and I suspect what you're trying to get me here is to start talking about magical thinking to a certain extent. Not really? Oh, though I, oh, so. I, I, mean, I would love to talk about magical thinking as well. So I think there is a connection there. But I actually just think this exposes a problem in conspiracy theory research, which is that people argue that people believe and disbelieve conspiracy theories because of a need for control or a sense of control, which I think is true. Like that both narratives work for people in this way sometimes. But like that makes it very, very hard to like parse what's causing them and like whether we should promote that illusion of control it seems like well and actually so i'm meant to be giving a talk at a workshop next semester so sometime after march of next year on conspiracy theories and self-knowledge i'll be looking at the locus of control material that appears in both the social psychological literature, but also the little bit of philosophical literature on conspiracy theories, which is looking at the psychopsychology of mm -hmm. belief in conspiracy theories. And so there is something interesting about these notions of control and the self-knowledge of control, and then the fear that actually control has been robbed from you from external sources. And it is, yeah, you raise a really interesting question there as to what are these just world beliefs doing for a sense of control? I mean, as someone who is a particularist who thinks we should treat conspiracy theories seriously, looking at politics, I go, look, I'm a voter. I'm always happy to vote in an election. New Zealand had an election earlier, uh, well, I'd say earlier this year, a month or so ago. And always happy to vote, even though I'm fairly convinced my vote actually doesn't do anything for how the government is going to operate. So I'm exerting control to a certain extent of demonstrating my vote and then throwing up my hands afterwards going, well, I've done my bit. Now the bastards have to go and do their bit. God knows what bastardry they're about to commit on the basis of my vote. Now, admittedly, I, I voted for the side that lost, so I can actually quite happily throw up my hands because wow, my side yes. didn't win the election. But when my side does win the election and I'm really disappointed by what my side ends up doing, there's a really interesting discussion about control there within a political space, which we don't typically take to be pathological. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the, that's the weird part that I think you pointed out earlier about these positive illusions, we kind of pretend that the illusion part isn't a problem if the positive part feels good enough to us. But that gets really icky if you start to like expand that reasoning out to, like I said, you know, conspiracy theories, or I, think I would argue belief in God, or um, all, all these types other kinds of, of yeah. types of government. Sure. I mean, you you, yeah, you can imagine this, yeah, yeah, or <laughs> you know, or end up going, well, look, I mean, maybe maybe meritocracies. It gives you a certain threshold of socially advantageous belief, but actually getting people to believe in a just world that is authoritarian, that might, it might be even better. You can imagine a situation where your coding of exactly what is socially advantageous as a belief. And I think that's the problem with the literature. It's not particularly specific as to what makes a belief socially advantageous other than the fact it fits in with liberal values. And you can imagine an right. illiberal world... Or reduces world. psychological yeah. harms a little bit yeah. in some ways, right? But what reduces psychological harm is going to be very dependent on your social views and your political sure. views because conservatives will say their beliefs reduce psych 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 psychological harms. Anarchists mm -hmm. will say that their beliefs reduce psychological harms. It's it's not very distinct. And probably for different psychologies, different sets of beliefs do reduce harms in terms of like, 
if we're talking about subjective harms like anxiety, which is often what they're citing, they're citing like people feel less bad about their situation, which in turn, you know, you can lead to better outcomes because you act differently as a result. Um, but it does seem that like there are some connections to certain psychological types. Now, you mentioned authoritarianism, which and this is one where I think you as a conspiracy theory researcher can sympathize in the just world belief stuff. You do see stuff like authoritarian or right wing authoritarian, like sometimes getting pulled in as a connection. But from like what I've seen, I, I haven't been convinced that it's as real a connection as like the conspiracy, like conservatism itself. Um, I'm a little skeptical, and it does feel a little bit like the way that I see people kind of go both ways on like saying that conspiracy theories are or not tied to authoritarian thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's quite it's quite a difficult literature to pass in that respect because I think an awful lot actually depends on the political views of the of the researcher. So there's a common mm -hmm. refrain that particulars have in private com conversation that there are certain generalists out there who just really like their position in the establishment and thus aren't actually willing to question how they've got because they've got there through their own hot hard graft they're ignoring the role of luck in the promotion system or citation system and so sometimes people do not question the system they're in because it's convenient for their own socially advantageous belief to go mm. i'm here because this is the way the world is meant to work no luck involved got here through my own hard graft which means it's it's just world beliefs all the way down yeah, I'm really sympathetic to this. And, like, to go back to the point about, like, conspiracy theories and control, like, you hear, you'll you see narratives where people will say belief in conspiracy theories gives you the illusion of control because you're on the inside now, you have special knowledge, and, you know, it's not random anymore, right? An evil plan is better than no plan at all, as, you know, we still sometimes say in illusion of control land. Like, so that makes sense to say... And I actually would argue, I do think there's a sense in which there's a kind of cultural comfort with people believing benign conspiracy theories the way that people believe benign religions. You know, I remember once an Episcopalian friend tell, telling me about, like, raising their kids Episcopalian so that they don't end up in a cult or something like that, where it's like this is a relatively benign brand of Christianity, much better than any of the other things that might fill that space. Um, and I wonder how much there is a little bit of something similar with, like, nobody cares if you believe in aliens. Everybody's fine with you if you do that. But it's like, you, you just can't go into the dangerous conspiracy space or something. Um, and, like, we even we acknowledge it as good. Like, we think it's good if you believe... You know, some people think it's good if you believe that pharma is dangerous in these certain kinds of ways because maybe it'll protect you or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because a lot hinges once again on the definition of conspiracy theory. So if you're defining right. conspiracy theory in a pejorative sense of their suspicious or unwarranted beliefs, then some of those conspiracy theories are irrational beliefs, but they're benign to believe, as you point out. For most people, unless you're the lead singer of Blink-182, belief in aliens actually has no real effect upon your everyday life. In the same respect that, I mean, one of the discussions that goes on about why Americans really, really love JFK conspiracy theories of the ilk that it wasn't just the lone assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, but a conspiracy by Cuba or the US government or Russia, insert actual mm -hmm. plot, is that it doesn't actually have any effect on American politics today. Believing that JFK was killed back in 1963 does nothing for the current crisis around whether Biden's going to get a second term or whether Trump comes back for a second term. There's no particular disadvantage to believing JFK conspiracy theories at all, whether or not you think they're warranted or unwarranted. I think the issue is, once you admit in, as the particularist does, that actually some conspiracy theories are not suspicious, such that they are false or unwarranted, 
than actually entertaining certain conspiracy theories, it does a really interesting thing about control. Uh, there's a really interesting bit in the mm -hmm. for all all the president's men where Woodward and Bernstein are talking about kind of the first three to six months of their conspiracy theory that the Nixon White House was behind the war, the Watergate break-in, and they admit they actually had very little evidence. They were really going out on their asses and speculating about this thing. Mm -hmm. And so in that particular case, they're believing something which may or may not turn out to be a warranted conspiracy theory. And you do have to wonder what their sense of control was at that situation, because eventually they show the conspiracy is correct. And actually it does bring about the end of an American presidency, admittedly after he wins a landslide election during the investigation, but they do bring a president down. And so in that respect, the, the belief in the conspiracy theory gives them a lot of control. But early on, where they're just speculating about it, very interesting to know exactly what their what their sense of anxiety was, what their sense right. of of psychological well being was as they're engaging in the investigation. So, I, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, so so yeah, I think it's just as I keep saying, it's really complicated. And as I've been saying since now seems like time immemorial, so much depends on the definition of conspiracy right. theory because it really affects your analysis. I also bet that, like, there's a live difference between, like, Woodward and Bernstein chasing up a real, like, a, a, like a high-stakes potential conspiracy and the people who are, like, cosplaying. Maybe from the inside it doesn't feel different, but I kind of think there is a way in which you can sort of eke out the benefits without as much of the – like, those guys were probably, like, super anxious. But I don't know. Like, you know, this is a weird question about – you know, often conspiracy theorists are portrayed as being full of anxiety, not full of any sense of control or confidence. But then you look at someone like Alex Jones and he like his conspiracies give him confidence that things are going to work out, maybe, or it's a performance. Who knows? Um, I actually wonder, first of all, to go back to our benign versus not view, I wonder if the like strength of the perseverance of the JFK beliefs is actually weirdly connected to Watergate somehow because Watergate is such a not benign conspiracy. There's arguments that like it jumpstarts sort of a new wave of distrust in the American government and things. Whereas the JFK one, as you point out, even though it could have been the CIA, it doesn't have the same kind of effect. Maybe it's like a safe refuge from like having to think about Watergate to just think about JFK. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because, I mean, the the brute fact is an American president was assassinated. But if you believe the official theory, it's happenstance and maybe intelligence failure. So why the CIA and the FBI didn't act upon the information they had. But it wasn't a conspiracy by the higher echelons of government, according to the official theory. Whilst Watergate was, Watergate was the high echelons of government conspiring to hide the fact that they weren't able to hire particularly good burglars, which I think is the astounding bit about the Nixon White House. They managed to keep the conspiracy under wrap for years, but what they weren't very good at is actually choosing people to be involved in the conspiracies themselves. So on one level, high level of competence. On another level, high level of incompetence. And I think that plays yep. into the really tricky legacy Watergate has on the American public, especially the kind of divide between Democrats and Republicans on the Watergate issue, where some people think the Nixon White House was incredibly competent, other people think it was incredibly incompetent, and the truth is actually probably somewhere in, in between. But if we move away from the states, and we say look at the assassination or murder of Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palmer, which is still an ongoing investigation in Sweden to this day, because it is an unsolved murder of a sitting Prime Minister. Mm. I think that has really interesting consequences for Swedish beliefs in their government. Once again, it's a historical conspiracy, so probably the people responsible, if it was a conspiracy, are probably long dead by this point, or very close to death. Sweden has kind of grappled with its far-right elements that were involved in the police and the security police at the time. 
and they've kind of gone through a process to try and make their government slightly more trustworthy, although Sweden, like many Scandinavian countries, is having a little bit of, of, of an issue with a resurgence far right at this time. But I think... Like you do. Yeah. I think part of the issue is that once we start talking about belief in just world and unjust world, we also need to be talking about the structure of the society in which these beliefs are situated. Because sometimes they are going to be rational responses to the society in which you live. And sure, maybe they might bias some of your decision-making processes or belief formation processes. But you can't separate out the beliefs of individuals from the societies in which they live. And people might be living in unjust worlds and having just world beliefs. And the people who believe it is a positive illusion would say good. Like better to you know if you're living under segregation better to believe that you can succeed despite that because you will do a little better now there is other data that argues that like actually if you believe in the just world and internalize this stuff you will internalize the view that you deserve bad outcomes and will actually like accept them or choose them when you don't have to um so some of the self-harming behaviors you see could potentially be the result of that as well so yeah i think it's very very creepy the way this immediately turns into another form of like grit bootstrapping resilience kind of wishful thinking to help you know like marginalized individuals um and you did also you mentioned something else that i want to i want to get on because i think maybe we might disagree or maybe we just are concerned about the amount of evidence one way or the other even if we have similar intuitions um but you brought up magical thinking I think that magical thinking is part of this cluster of problems. Um, but I know that you have qualms about the concept. So, like, what is your concerns with magical thinking? Well, my concern with magical thinking is that there's kind of two definitions of magical thinking in the literature. And it's never entirely clear which one people are using. Because one seems like it might be analogous to a certain kind of bad conspiracy belief or conspiracy theorizing belief. And the other one seems to be utterly divorced from conspiracy theories, unless you're a conspirator. So sometimes magical thinking is defined as if I believe X, X will occur which is often the case with gambling. I believe I'm going to win. And it's also the kind of view of magical thinking we get in the religious studies literature, which does the comparison of magical beliefs with supernatural beliefs. And then is there an analogy there between conspiracy beliefs? Right. Sometimes magical thinking is defined as I have a kind of preternatural or supernatural ability to detect what is really going on behind the scenes. And that seems like it might be analogous to a certain kind of conspiracy belief or conspiracist ideation. So mm -hmm. if you're using the latter, then there might be an analogy between certain kinds of species conspiracy theorizing and magical thinking. And I don't, I don't deny that people engage in magical thinking of that kind or indeed of the for former kind. As a child, I was a theist. I really did believe as a eight-year-old that if I prayed hard enough for a present, God would make sure my parents would give me that present. Also, it turned out I was not evidence responsive because I kept on praying mm -hmm. for these presents and they didn't appear, but I kept on trying. So Not even intermittently, huh? Yeah. And and so I think I think the problem with talking about magical thinking is it's another fu another fuzzy concept in the social science literature. So my worry about it is that it often gets mentioned mm. in papers without any definition as to which version of the magical thinking hypothesis they're actually using. To the point where I end up going, when people start citing other papers that mention it, and those papers okay. don't mention which concept they're using, at what point are they just using the term magical thinking as a catch-all for irrational thinking? Right. And I actually, my definition is something that might encompass both of yours, which is it's just belief in supernatural X, supernatural powers or forces or something. Um, or superstitious, if you prefer, but like, like something that it goes above and beyond the way we think of science describing reality normally, which would include both 
you know, your wish style, if I believe it, it'll come true, laws of attraction kind of magical thinking. And also, I have secret knowledge of the universe. Usually that's your Blavatskyan esoteric knowledge or, you know, uh, divine inspiration for Alex Jones or something like that. Um, but in both cases, usually you're getting there via supernatural means, it seems like. Does that seem fair to you, at least? Yeah, I mean, I guess my problem is, and this is actually brought up... It's probably still a problem in the literature, I, mean, yeah. I think, for yeah. our purposes. Yeah, um, I mean, so I guess the issue is, as a, mater as a materialist who's given up on all kind of superstitious thinking, magic in the sense of magical thinking doesn't occur, but I do know conspiracies occur. So, mm, I, so right. I, I kind of worry about pushing these two concepts together too closely and there so is well, actually, actually yeah, yeah oh yeah there is is a recent paper introducing conspiracy intuitions to better understand conspiracy beliefs which actually tries to pull apart the magical thinking stuff and also mm -hmm. the discussion about conspiracy beliefs because as they point out magical thinking in the literature does have this kind of weird causal role where you have this kind of self-knowledge ability to detect things that aren't occurring whilst the conspiracy belief stuff has to actually admit that sometimes it might seem like you're making an intuitive jump but actually there is evidence there to go no this this belief is I've got something stuck in the back of my throat so i sound very emotional right now so it tries to pull apart the idea by going look magical thinking has this notion that there is something supernatural or superstitious about the causal links you're putting forward whilst conspiracy beliefs are sometimes actually going might look magical but sometimes they are going to be the result of evidence actually affecting your beliefs and going look i've got a reason to think there's something suspicious going on here just not superstitious yes I agree with you. And so I would say there isn't like a straight one-to-one -one correlation where like conspiracy thinking is just a kind of magical thinking. What I would say is sometimes conspiracy, conspiracy theories involve magical thinking and it serves a specific role within those kinds of conspiracies that goes back to our friend Just World Belief. So my opinion is if you're holding on to a positive illusion, you're going to have to do it through some sort of magical thinking, by which I mean believing the universe acts differently than it actually does. Call it supernatural or whatever. Like if you believe that like in the meritocratic sense, hard work produces better outcomes, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, like that's a kind of supernatural thinking in my opinion. And you will have to get there via belief in, you know, the strength of the human spirit or God or something. Right. Um, similarly, I think, some folks maintain their illusion of control via supernatural laden conspiracy theories. And again, here I go back to my friend Alex, um, because I do really think one of the most interesting conspiracy theories that rarely gets defined as such is the belief in the devil. That like if you believe in an evil force of some sort that is in opposition to God, you basically believe that there's something conspiring against you know, a just world. And you can use that to explain problem of evil, all these kinds of things. Um, and I think a lot of these conspiracy theories, they give the illusion of control because you can lump all of the harms into that, you know, demiurge level being or whatever. Uh, and then like God will come in and fix it at the end kind of thing. Now I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to agree with you and put a caveat in. According to Alex mm. Jones, it has been proven that God and the devil exist. So for him, it's not magical thinking; it's proven. He never actually discusses what that proof is, but according sure. to him, it's been proven God is real and the devil is real too. And it is really interesting. Sometimes people deny that it's magical thinking, and other times they don't. And I like like so I will use like superstitious luck when I talk about these kinds of beliefs because you also see these in like the luck literature as well. And that's a term that is self-identifying. People believe themselves to be superstitious in a way they don't consider bad or even if they consider it irrational, they don't consider it unreasonable in a kind of weird way um, because they do actually think that they're lucky or that luck exists in this supernatural way. And if it does, then belief in it seems reasonable because you can act based on it if you attribute things to it. Um, so, yeah, I do think that there are these reoccurring bits where some kind of magical thinking 
sneaks in and it can happen on both sides right i think it'd be magic i think it requires magical thinking to be a generalist about conspiracy theories right you have to as you said believe in a certain like level of human understanding and awareness or whatever that like we become aware of all the conspiracy theories and stuff that happen and such yeah no i agree i think there is i mean yeah i mean i guess I guess a lot hinges on whether you think the magical thinking part actually refers mm-hmm. to literally thinking magic is real. And I suspect when I'm thinking about the issue with magical thinking, I'm thinking more too literally about when they talk about the magical part. Because it just seems like... The oracle kind of magical yeah, thinking. Right? In that, I mean, it just seems to be a synonym in many cases for irrational thinking. And irrational mm-hmm. thinking takes a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's detecting patterns when patterns don't exist. Sometimes it's believing in causal mechanisms that aren't real. And sometimes it's simple wish fulfillment. And so many people exhibit beliefs of that kind. In fact, many people in ordinary life exhibit beliefs of, of that kind. Believing that working hard and you'll get promoted for many people is going to be irrational or magical thinking because you're not yeah. rewarded for working hard. You're rewarded for factors you have absolutely no control over. And it's always interesting that we don't ping, as you say, and we've been saying throughout this episode, the socially advantageous beliefs as being right. problematic because they help us feel good about the world. But any belief that questions the just world in which we live, suddenly that's a problem. And of course, if you're interested in, say, civil rights, you probably don't want to be encouraging just world beliefs because they're not very good at actually fixing systemic issues. And you think about what happened in the civil rights movement in the US in the middle of the last century. Sometimes you actually need something close to a violent revolution to show people that things have to change. Yeah, right. Um, Civil disobedience is about disabusing people of their just world belief, right? Critical social justice is disabusing people of their just world belief. And like, let's say hypothetically, you know, some individual wanted to convince the whole world that everything was luck and that plausibly that would have a pretty big hit on the just world belief view because it would undercut belief in meritocracy, free will, all these things that we use to protect that just world belief. What do you think would happen for belief in conspiracy theories if that was successful? Do you think they would become? Do you think? Do you think the? Let's say. Let's, do you think the quantity and severity of them would change significantly in that kind of world? I mean, as a particularist who has a minimal definition that has no pejorative valence to the term conspiracy theory, I would say right. it probably wouldn't change much at all because people engage in conspiracy theorizing in the particular sense all the time. For the generalist, however, the realization that once people take the luck pill and suddenly go, actually, it is all just luck. There is there there is no system of just desserts. It is just sometimes a random assortment of crappy and good chocolates in a box. You just don't know what you're going to get. In that kind of situation, you're probably going to get a lot more conspiracy theorizing that seems reasonable on the basis of believing that everything is luck. And that's going to affect the generalist who's either going to have to come up with a new form of generalism, which will seem like a prescription rather than an argument based upon believing in a just world, or the generalist has to give up on generalism and go, well, look, we just have to start assessing these conspiracy theories on a on a, why am I trying to say, I'm trying to say basis by basis, and I don't know what Bait I'm trying basis. to say, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, case by case basis. Yeah, on, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was trying to say, on a case by case, but like I said, it was on basis a case by, by basis. Case by case, base by base. Yeah, I know, case, yeah, yeah, a case by case basis. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think, realizing that we live in an unjust or uncontrolled world re- means you have to give up on all of the ancillary beliefs that come out of the just world belief. And that means you need to treat conspiracy theories seriously because maybe a lot of them still turn out to be unwarranted or suspicious such that you you think they're false. But some of them are probably going to be evidence of, 
yeah, actually, that's the evidence that we don't live in the just world we thought we did live in before. Yeah, I think that's pretty much exactly the answer that I would, like the hypothesis I would predict if I was to get to do this kind of research. I, I think, A, I agree with you conceptually. It motivates a switch to particularism even more so. Um, and then B, I'm not convinced that that switch to particularism actually leads to an uptick in belief in conspiracies or certain kinds of conspiracies necessarily. Um, I would be really interested to see if it changes what kind of conspiracies people are more likely or less likely to believe in. But like conspiracies are just really going to be one kind of luck. So um, it doesn't seem like it's going to necessarily produce substantially worse results in this situation. Yeah. I, and like, again, it feel like it comes back to this. How much do you want to tell people about actual reality and what are the risks of that? And it's hard to imagine that like the risks outweigh the benefits of being honest with people. Yeah. Yeah. So the other other point is that also it might affect whether people are willing to admit that they believe in particular conspiracy mm. theories. So one of the things which often gets kind of overlooked in the literature is that there are conspiracy theories and the things which are labeled as conspiracy theories. And it turns out if you live in a just world, you probably don't want to label some beliefs as conspiracy theories. And also you probably don't want to admit to believing in some beliefs that have been labeled as conspiracy theories. So just world belief probably has the consequence of actually diminishing the expression of what people actually believe because it's just socially impolite to express beliefs which are socially disadvantageous. So once you get rid right. of that, people might go, yeah, actually, I've, I've kind of always thought that the the stuff going on with universities shutting down art and humanities, which they always say it's based upon the economics of the situation, but that's never made any sense. I think there actually might be a conspiracy at the heart of education to make people have less in the way of critical thinking skills, and people might start admitting to those kind of things which are in the background of their thoughts, but they're not ever willing to actually say out loud. Yeah, so okay, there's something here that I think is really interesting. There's a distinction in just world belief between particular and general just world belief. General is more of a magical thinking kind of, you know, cosmically things balance out. And developmentally, it seems like people shift towards a personal one where it's like things balance out for me and that feels orderly enough, essentially. Um, but I wonder if like... So, you know, like, general just world belief is generally is considered less important than the personal just world belief. And I think it's the case that if you luck pill somebody, general just world belief drops like a stone. But personal just world belief actually becomes more accurate because you're more willing to ex assess your levels of privilege and marginalization when you're not trying to protect your beliefs about your pride and all these kinds of things. And I kind of think that's exactly what happens with conspiracy and particularism, where it's like you're no longer protecting your illusion. And so you become more honest about which conspiracies are actually plausible or not in like both directions. Yeah, no, I think you're quite you're quite you're quite right there. And it's a nice distinction between the general sense of belief in a just world and your own kind of personal belief. So yeah, no, I think I think you're on the money, as they say on game shows. Do they say that on game shows? I have no idea. Back in back in the days when we watched them, the um, 1950s, back right, when well, men were men and women were women and trans people did not exist. Right, exactly. Um, well, this has been very helpful. I really appreciate you uh, sort of clarifying some things for me, filling in some dots on this stuff. I'd love if you could stick around and we can. Talk a little bit maybe about your paper, know it uh, when you see it. In sure the, can. Uh, VIP a little bit. But first, of course, I have to torture you as part of my ongoing conspiracy. Yeah, I've already put the straps guests. on, so it's fine. <laughs> Some of my guests like being tortured more than others. Um, all right. So you're a returning guest. You're familiar with this. But for folks who are not, I'm going to, well, let me say, first of all, this is the enlightening round. Enlightenment comes from within. I'm going to give you a list of things. You're going to tell me, are these things real or not real? 
I already know conspiracies where it falls on the list, so I'm not including it. Um, but all you can tell me real or not real. Uh, so first of all, because the philosophers come on this show, let me make sure. Do you think anything is real? Yes. Okay, great. You're one of those kind of philosophers. Uh, so let's find out. I mean, out it depends on the real. definition of real, but yes. There we go. There we go. Uh, first, real or not real, bodies. Yes. There's <laughs> a really long pause there, but yes. <laughs> Off to a good start here. <laughs> yeah. Minds, real or not real? No, not real. Mm. Free will. Not real. Luck. I mean, I'm I'm saying not real, but I could equally say real because it's mm, because it's the definition. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know how it goes. All right, you're going with not real. Ghosts, really not real. Not real. Cryptids, really not real. Real. Truth, really not real. Oh, I'm an epistemologist, so. I'm going to say <laughs> I'm I'm going to say not real, and that's a and that might be a problem. Not real. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept your letter of resignation. Uh, beauty, really not, not real. real. Justice, not real. Finally, hope, not real. Okay, you survived. How do you feel? I mean, there are going to be some philosophers out there who go, hmm, hmm. Hmm. I mean, so much of it depends on definitions. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean course. that's that's the cruelty of this round. Is it because you don't define the term? I'm going. I mean, I mean, my definition is, but Aaron's definition might, and the luck thing I think is interesting there because I right. don't believe in luck because I don't believe in random chance. But that's not necessarily the way that you're talking about luck. Yep. So luck in the, so I believe in luck in the sense that you mean it, but maybe not in the sense that my intuitive understanding of what luck is. Right. You have to suffer through having a whole audience out there misinterpreting you. Oh, um, uh, I mean, you, I'm a philosopher. I'm used to that anyway. Right. Usually it's your peers, though. Um, okay. I will. I want to hear more about your views on the, some of those things. We'll do that in the VIP. Um, but first, do you want to let folks know where they can find your work? So you can find me and my co-host Josh Addison on the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. I've given up on Twitter. I'm now located in the walled garden, although increasingly less walled garden of Blue Sky, where I'm conspiracism.bsky.local. And otherwise, you can if you just search for MRX Dentist on, say, Phil Papers, which is a open repository that philosophers tend to put all their papers up online, you'll find almost all of my work available to download for free, so you can read it to your heart's content. I've been recently told by a Norwegian colleague, it's really good for putting yourself to sleep at the end of the day. Nah. Uh, our dream. All right. Well, thank y'all so much for listening and maybe come hang out and hear a little bit more such as which cryptids are actually real. Won't that be fun? As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. But as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks again to our listeners and patrons who make this show possible. Thanks to our newest monthly voidling, Dion Madison. And I'd like to thank our top-tier patrons, our Archon-level patrons, Void-Pilled Eldrick Farmer, Alex Beneshek, Serious Inquiries Only, Lawrence Shielding, Fix the Vote, and Grumble Grumble, and all the thanks to our Archduke patron, Big Easy Blasphemy. If you'd like to support the show, please check out my other show, Philosophers in Space, with my co-host Callie Wright of the Queer Splaining Podcast. And while you're at it, check out my wonderful editor, Louisa Lyons's film live musicals podcast leave them all a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app you can also join the philosophers in space slash embrace the void facebook group or email me at voidpod at gmail.com and if you notice a small void growing within you consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void just four dollars a month gets you early access to episodes plus bonus vip content most of all no matter how unjust the universe is, you are the void, and the void is you.